Welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 110. My name is CJ Schrader, and with me, as always, my two dashing co-hosts who always bolster me. First off, we have Jess Dunks. This is Jess. Uh, I got a question. I wonder how many episodes you've laughed during the intro. Um, a lot. <laughs> uh, in this case, it was because my wife walked up and she was shocked that we were just now starting the episode. <laughs> All right. <good. laughs> and Brian Brilliman. A dune toward us. <laughs> Let's not. Let's not. My my life for ire. <sighs> Intaro Tassadar. Gee house. <laughs> All right. So this episode uh, is not Starcraft related yet, but we'll see where it goes. But this is our FAQ episode for Fate Reforged. It is a small set, and it is the next set. In the cons block, I guess we should talk about real quick how cons is going to be played. So, um, <clears throat> the draft limited, yeah, and limited. Um, oh, okay. The draft order of this set will be. It should be. Uh, it'd be fate. Uh, fate cons cons. Yeah, fate, fate cons, cons, cons cons. And then when uh, dragons of Tarkir comes out, spoilers, it'll be dragons dragons fate. Yes. Yeah. So it's a weird, it's a weird so, little thing they're doing. There's a lot of dragons in this set. There's a lot of dragons. And if so, if Dragons of Tarkir has more dragons, it's gonna be. I hope it has none, just to <laughs> screw with everybody. That'll get no, you. Then that would be called Scourge. Scourge. Yes, it's expansion symbols of dragon head. And how many dragons are in the set? Like two. I don't know. Like three. Didn't they have the new Dragon Legends? And Scourge? Scourge? No. They had like they didn't have many. It was like it was like two red ones and hmm. not a lot. And Dragonstorm. <laughs> oh, did you did you guys notice that the uh that the silhouette of the Dragons of Tarkir expansion symbol is nearly identical to the silhouette of uh Cons of Tarkir's? No. Yeah. But let's talk about Fate Reforged. No, I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about expansion. Fate Reforged. So we have the rules FAQ out. My life for ire. Which means we can finally talk about Manifest, among other things. Uh, so we're going to go through it as we normally do. Um, talk about the new mechanics. Talk about a few of the cards that we found interesting. You know, our bread and butter. This, this is our set review show. I'm excited. <laughs> Are you excited? I'm excited. I'm yeah, Maybe, can we can we grade all of the the can we grade the abilities? Where it's yeah. like, ah, uh, you know, I I think it's a B. Okay, I want to know which cards Brian thinks I should buy, and uh, uh, you know, fi financial speculation. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> I'll buy the other ones. Well, <laughs> all the other ones got it. <laughs> I have I have no ability to uh, uh, predict what cards are going to do valuable other no. than like you know them fetch lands i think those might be worth something you have no idea how many judge foil um bitter blossoms i i sold off for 10 bucks each oh uh, oh uh, i don't regret it all right let's talk about bolster so two of the clans bolster. in this um in this set are getting new clan mechanics while three of the clans are keeping their old clan mechanics so the ones that are staying are prowess ferocious and delve so if you want to know more about Prowess, Ferocious, and Delve, you can see episode 101. <clears throat> um, and presumably in Dragons of Tarkir, those three will be replaced because yeah. time travel. Right. They actually they actually said in one of the articles that that 
that what they did was they took in for this particular set, they took, they kept some mechanics from cons and they introduced the other mechanics from, uh, from dragons of Tarkir. So who preview, we know two mechanics that are going to be in dragons of Tarkir. Yay. All right. Yay. So let's talk about bolster and uh bolsters an easy one actually. Um, so bolsters on some spells are triggered abilities and when it, so like a, an example is this Abzan Sky Captain, which reads when Abzan Sky Captain dies, bolster two. So what does that mean? It means you choose the the creature with the lowest toughness that you control, and you put two in this case plus one plus one counters on it. So you put X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the number after bolster after the word bolster. Um, if you have a tie for who which creature has the lowest toughness, you get to choose which one gets it. So what you're saying is that um, if, if you had all of your cats together mm-hmm. and you had to bolster, uh-huh. you would have to choose which cat got the counters. Well, Bitty Kitty would get the counters. No hesitation. Yeah. Wow, you're a jerk. Not she, even have to think about it. No, well, she's the smallest. Well, let oh, me ask, oh, let me ask okay. this. Battle Cat's fat, so he has a toughness of at least three. And then I would say Milkshake is closer to like a cat with a toughness of three. Well, he's fat. Sure. He's fat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But Bitty Kitty's a 1-1. One, one. Yeah? Yeah. All right. All right. So if it's tied for smallest, you choose you you, you choose which one. Uh, you look at now, do I pick which creature when I cast it? So so Abzan Sky Captain uh, uh, dies. I go, Bitty Kitty's going to get the counter. And he go, and my opponent goes, great, I'm going to kill Bitty Kitty. Sorry, CJ. <laughs> um, and now you don't get the counters. Nope. You're going to choose uh, what's being bolstered when the ability with bolster resolves. So if your opponent, for some reason, killed your smallest creature when the ability with bolster went on the stack, well, the counters would then go on the next smallest creature. I don't know why they do that, but I guess it could happen. If they they kill all of your creatures, then nothing. nothing. Yeah. So an example I wrote down here is um, if you had two of these sky captains out and you had two bear cubs... And for some reason, your opponent's terrible, and they kill both Sky Captains. What's going to happen is you'll have these two triggers to bolster. The first one will resolve and make one of your Bear Cubs a 4-4, and the second one will then resolve, and it'll make the other Bear Cub a 4-4, because you won't be able to choose the first Bear Cub because it's no longer the smallest or tied for the smallest toughness. Man, I added that exact same example at the bottom of the bolster list, only I used uh, that Dromoka the Eternal. Oh, well, if you had just read up a yeah, little bit, you would have seen that the example was already written out there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, another point is you want to do the actions that are written on the card. Uh, so this probably isn't going to come up a whole, whole lot, but uh, like there's a card called Honor's Reward that has you gain four life and then bolster two. Um, if you have a creature whose power toughness is somehow related to your life total, Okay, it's going to change when you gain that four life, and so it might not be uh, bolsterable uh, after that. Yes. Um, So bolster doesn't target, but the spell or ability that it's on does or can rather. Um, So I think there's there's uh, one card that says uh, something like target opponent sacrifices an enchantment and then you bolster some amount uh if that opponent gains hexproof or shroud then 
the whole spell, the whole effect is going to get countered. So you would not get to bolster at that point. Fortunately, there's not many effects like that, though. And since you mentioned it, uh, for that specific spell, if they don't control any enchantments, it doesn't matter. You know, right. so they, they're told to sacrifice enchantment, they can't, then they get to bolster. Right. It's You're targeting the player, not targeting an enchantment that they control. Yeah. All right. That's bolster. That's bolster in a nutshell. <laughs> so if I... If I if my best creature or my smallest creature is a marsh goblin, okay, which is a red black one one swamp walk from the dark, um, would you say that because it's it's gold though? Would you say that I bolster gold? Wow, wow, what DC DC reference? No, I got the reference. Okay, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> this is awful. You did it. You made that reference. <laughs> you got there. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about dash. So dash <laughs> is the new Mardu mechanic. Bolster is the um, oh Abzan mechanic because it's on Abzan Sky Captain. Uh, yeah. So you dash never is, know. <laughs> dash is the new Mardu mechanic. Um, it's pretty cool, but someone else can talk about it. Okay, so dash represents um, three abilities, and the way it's worded on the card, you're going to see it's just going to have a dash cost. It's going to dash cost. Uh, so a card that has dash, for example, is Goblin Heel Cutter. Um, and it says dash to red. And that's a, an alternative casting cost. You can cast it from your hand for its dash cost. You're still casting it. It still goes on the stack and everything else. But you're casting it from your hand for its dash cost instead of its um, instead of its regular cost. Um, if you cast it for its dash cost, then uh, it goes and plays in a little tiny ball pit for a while. And then, and then it, it <laughs> takes everyone's money. Um, sorry, eh, dashcon reference. Um, so if you cast it for its dash cost, it sets up a delayed triggered ability that means it goes back to your hand uh, if it's still alive at the end of the turn. So at the end of the turn, it's returned to your hand. Uh, it gains haste if you cast it for its dash cost, and if you cast something for dash and then you copy it, then it won't. It's not affected by the dash and haste and all of that jazz. So if I play Phantasm Image to copy my dashed Goblin Heel Cutter, it does not have haste and it will not be returned to my hand. So to sum up, I could take my Heel Cutter and I could play it as a regular creature or I can dash it and give it haste and then it comes back to my hand. Yeah, I think dash is sweet. Yep. And what's what's kind of cool from a play standpoint, it does help enable uh, or can it can help enable raid. Like raid out of nowhere. Yeah. Bam. So, yay, Mardu. Yay, Mardu. All right, so like I mentioned, Prowess, Ferocious, and Delve. You can listen to episode 101 for more information on those. We don't need to get into those again, or this episode would never end. <clears throat> Speaking of never ending. Oh, yeah. This... All right. <laughs> Manifest. Man, it's our... It's, it's our... our Manifestiny? Yeah, I was going to yeah. Are you going to say that? Something along those lines. Manifest Destiny? Yeah. Yeah. But I, could, I couldn't, suddenly I, I, I was like, I was like, whoa, I don't remember quite what that means, so I'm not going to say it just in case it's something bad. All right. I don't think it is, though, but I'll have to Wikipedia that later. I think it's like, you know, the right to expand. No. Maybe you're, I thought it was like expansion uh, related. I thought somebody was going to make a manifesto joke. Um, okay, so let's read formless nurturing. 19th century period of American expansion that the United States uh, not only could, but was destined to stretch from coast to coast. Oh. Yep, there we go. So, hmm. okay, hmm. not at all bad. 
So formless nurturing is a spell. <laughs> yeah, not sorcery. Like... <laughs> and all it says is manifest the top card of your library, then put a plus one plus one counter on it. And it's like, what? What does that mean? So it means so... a free three three. That's what that means. <laughs> well, three and a green. It means you for... paid four mana for a three three. Congratulations. <laughs> a free free. So to manifest something means to take it from wherever it tells you to take it from and put it on the battlefield face down. And so at this point, the face down rules apply. And I think I think if if people don't pull anything else out of this episode, um, it's that morph is an ability that lets you cast something face down and then the face down rules take over. Manifest is just a new way to make things face down and then the face down rules take over. So how morph and manifest work as, as far as being face down permanence is almost identical. Uh, now, when it comes to actually turning it face up and stuff, well, that's different. But, you know, I guess it's how it got face down and how you get it face up are different. But while it's face down, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's a 2-2 creature. All the other standard rules apply. Um, so if you want to hear a lot more about that, you can listen to episode 99, which was about morph. Because uh, we go into face down a lot. Now, uh, we do have a little bit of policy on there that is no longer correct, but who cares? Hmm. All right. So if you uh, have a face down card that was manifested, turning it face up, similar to morph, you can only do it when you have priority and it's a special action. So what you're going to do is you're going to reveal the card and you're going to check the card for uh, two qualities. One. It has to have a mana cost. So basically, Dryad Arbor face down cannot be turned face up because it does not have a mana cost. And that card has to be a creature. So, ladies and gentlemen, you don't get your instants and sorceries with more or face up on the battlefield. Yeah. Uh, who knows if we see. So, okay. So I reveal it. It has it. It has a mana cost and it is a creature card. Creature card. And if so, if both are there, then you can pay the mana cost and turn it face up. Like I said, it's a special action. doesn't use the same. Yeah. If, you, if you can't do, if it's not either, then womp womp, it just goes back to being face down. Yeah. So a land will always be face down. An instant sorcery will always be face down. So here's where we start to get a little bit separate from morph. When you're, when, if you're unmorphing a card, what we do is we reveal the face of the card and we look at its characteristics as it would be on the battlefield if it was face up right now. With Manifest, we're actually looking at the text on the card, taking not taking any continuous effects into account. Um, so what that means is if you have an artifact face down and you have something like March of the Machines or something animating all the artifacts you control, you turn it face up and you're like, oh, this actually isn't a creature printed on the card. Therefore, it can't be turned up. So it has to be a printed creature card. That's the only way you're going to turn something face up with manifest. And it has to have a mana cost. But I think all creatures except Dryad Arbor have a mana cost. I'm pretty sure about yeah, that. Yeah. Ooh. You get those cobalt of care keep for free. Woo. Yeah, well, I mean, they have a mana cost of zero. Yeah, I don't think there is any anything else that doesn't have a mana I cost. I mean, tokens don't, but you wouldn't be able to manifest them, almost certainly. So, oh man, <laughs> jeez. I, yeah, now we're are we all thinking about like some kind of oblation type spell? <laughs> yeah, like, some, you some... can craft a card that does it, but like, yeah, there, I can't think of anything that currently does it. Return, return target creature to the top of your library, manifest one. Yeah, but no, because tokens can't. Oh, I don't think they can so return. No, 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 they, they, no, they, they can't. They can't return to the battlefield. Yeah. 
But if it's face down, does the game know it's token? Right. I would say yeah. <laughs> so probably yeah. <laughs> so this is this is one of those one of those ha ha ha. We're we're talking about funny things. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it doesn't no. happen. Yeah. Nope. Okay. So if the if the manifested card has morph, you can use either the manifest cost or the morph cost to turn it face up. Um, yeah, I think it just depends on the card. Sometimes it'll be better to do one. Sometimes better to do the other. Yep. Uh, so let me let me ask this: When you talk about continuous effects and stuff like that, uh, taking that into account, um, let's say I have uh, something out that uh, removes all abilities okay like humility, humility for example okay i can't uh if i if i have a morph creature out okay and a humility out and i want to turn it face up then i reveal it it's turned face up uh uh humility is there blanking the ability of morph so i can't actually unmorph it if humility's out that's right okay so can i manifest uh with humility out Yes. <laughs> and that's because manifest is not granting. Well, first off, because we don't apply any continuous effects. That's first the first reason. But also manifest is not granting an ability to that card. Uh, it's just saying, hey, you can pay this manifest cost or you can pay its mana cost to turn it. It's up. basically just setting up a game rule. Yeah. So it's I mean, mostly the continuous effect thing, but it's both things. It's both things. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, so, so something else that was, was kind of interesting. And I got this, uh, gleaned this out of the, uh, the FAQ entry for a card called ethereal ambush, which had you manifest the top two cards of your library. Mm -hmm. Um, it said if you manifest two things at the same time, so like ethereal ambush manifests the top two, you manifest one and then you manifest the other. And one of the importances is you get to know the face down cards, the order in which it comes in. So that's why it's like this one was the top card. This one was the second card. Yeah. And because you're doing them one at a time, what that means is there is a period of time where you, know, you manifest the top card. That new card is the top card. So while we have like Corsair of Crufix in standard right now, Okay, and like every deck is playing it. Okay, so if I do manifest the top two cards of my library and I've got a course around, I have the top card revealed. It's going to go onto the battlefield face down. And there is a brief period of time where that second card is now the top card of my library. And it's going to be face up for a few sec for like a few milliseconds with Courser before it gets manifested and put face down. Yeah, that's an interesting case. But, but your opponent will always get to know like the order those came out so that they'll basically know what you manifested yeah all right so say you put a lightning bolt onto the battlefield and somebody casts something like break open or there are a few cards that will turn target face down card face up um if it's none in this set yeah but... none in this set. if it's an instant or sorcery you just reveal the face down card and then that's it because it can't be turned face up because an instant and sorcery cannot be on the battlefield um similarly if you were to say momentary blink that card it would enter exile, um, and all things enter exile face up by default. But it wouldn't be able to come back because instants and sorceries cannot enter the battlefield. There's a rule that has always existed that has stated this, and that rule still applies. Uh, I guess I should also mention if somebody, if you have a face down um, planeswalker, and you turn it face up using manifest, it didn't enter the battlefield, so it won't get any loyalty counters, so it will then die. Uh oh. Yeah, that's no good. <laughs> <laughs> 
does that same does that also hold for my hydras yeah it does oh so let's talk about hydras or anything any creature with like x in the mana cost um you're paying the mana cost to turn it face up but you're not casting it so whenever you're not casting something x is always zero so can i stop you for a second i just have a question yeah you you implied with your last statement that you could uh turn face up planeswalkers that are manifested um oh yeah my, my understanding right. is that you could only do it with creatures and planeswalkers are not creatures yeah you're 100 so, right i, I didn't so, think so about you, that so you'd have to break open it or something yeah like that. yeah sorry yeah. that's since you were talking about it with break open i kind of assumed that that's yeah what, I, no you're right i did say manifest i was trying to make it simpler but you're you're 100 right i'm just trying to uh keep it clear you cannot only do creatures, it with planeswalkers. Yeah. yeah only, only creatures. creatures um okay yeah so the hydra uh, x is always going to be zero so it's almost always not going to work out for you to turn a hydra face up and i know yeah i've got a one hydra. Heliod, man yeah there's that well there's one hydra that also has morph that when you turn it face up it gets five plus one plus one counters and that's like the like one hooded hydra out. right hooded hydra yeah sure so that one that one's fine you can you can flip it over and get your get your five counters but nothing else any any zero zero creature that enters the battlefield with uh and I guess that's probably another important thing. So so replacement effects that modify how it enters the battlefield doesn't happen. And triggered abilities that trigger when something enters the battlefield doesn't you don't get those either. And that and that, obviously that's always been true with morph as well, but it's 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 a lot more difficult to get random creature with enter the battlefield ability face down and then also turn it face up with morph. Oh, <clears throat> uh, but if you can manifest a Phyrexian Devourer Dreadnought. That, Dreadnought. Yeah. 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 Oh, bypass that sacrifice twelve power <laughs> worth of creature trigger. I just got a twelve tool trample for one mana. Woot. Woot. Uh I think you mean obliterator? No, devout dreadnought. Frixian dreadnought. Frixian dreadnought. Twelve twelve for one. Well Frixian Obliterator would also be a sweet one. Which one's that do? Is that the uh the what, what? opponent sacrifices permanence? Yeah. Yeah. Whenever uh, it's dealt damage, they sacrifice that many permanents. Yeah. Just I'll block with my two two. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I don't see that coming. Ah, uh, no one expects the Phyrexian Obliterator. <laughs> no. Um, all right. So this is Judge Cast. So we have to talk about how every new mechanic interacts with Mirror Weave. Um, we're going. Is that our new motto? Is that like? Yeah. How does it work with Mirror Weave? Um, uh, we're 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 guessing just a little bit here, but I think I think what we're about to say is correct. Oh God. So, so we've got. <laughs> this is gonna go poorly. Yeah, probably the best. The best way we say it. We've got. We've got the rules for manifest. Okay, but there's probably going to be like in the FAQ they gave us the rules for manifest, but they're probably changing a lot of other rules, like little sentences here and there in various other places of the comp rules. So we're inferring from the manifest rules how something else is gonna behave is probably the best way mm -hmm. to say it. Yeah, so don't don't take what we're about to say as gospel. You, well, maybe we should we should we wait until the rules come out to say it then? No. Oh, we're going in. I'm pr I'm I'm pretty confident this is correct. All right, all right. We're going in. We're going in. Also, this won't apply at anyone's pre-release ever. <laughs> but say say you have never know, dude. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> say you manifest a face-down creature. Uh, sorry, manifest a creature with morph. Um. I need good examples. Rattle, rattle Claw Mystic. Yeah, Rattle Claw Mystic. So that that guy costs one and a green. Yep. And then you also have a face up 
Ponyback Brigade. Ponyback Brigade. Thank you. And you use Mirror Weave to make the Rattle Claw Mystic? Yes. Into a copy of Ponyback Brigade? It's Ponyback Brigade. (laughs) Ponyback Brigade. I I I play so much magic, you guys. Um, So... So I love that name because it feels like it's venturing off into Kaijudo name territory. Yeah. Like, this is the Ponyback Brigade. Like, yeah, I, I don't. Say I don't. hello to my Super Bazooka Volcanodon. Like, <laughs> so if people there. remember our morph episode, um, our face down card is still a 2-2. But if we were unmorphing it, we would reveal the card and we would look at its characteristics face up and we would see a pony. It is back, right? Yep, pony okay. back I wasn't sure the brigade if, that rides on the backs of ponies. I wasn't sure if I was saying it wrong. Uh, Made of we, goblins that ride on ponies. We would see a uh, ponyback brigade, and we would use the ponyback brigade's morph cost. Um, where this gets weird is... Wait, it's not already? What? We believe <laughs> that if you wanted to turn it face up using manifest, you would turn it face up and look at it, but manifest looks at the base characteristics of the card. Therefore... We believe you would pay one in a green to unmanifest it or turn face up using manifest, but you would pay the Ponyback Brigade unmorph cost to um, turn it face up using morph. So, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, based based on what we're able to determine from, like I said, what we're able to infer from the rules on manifest, uh, and we, we 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 tried to get confirmation on this, so we're. Whatever could be, could be wrong. So if we are wrong, then uh, we'll never you, hear this. We're gonna we're gonna find out about it. So yeah, uh, you don't need to send us an email. Okay. So if you thought that was weird, let's talk about double face cards and manifest. <laughs> also, not coming up at your pre-release or ever. You, know, you never know. They could be doing pre-release plus pack of dark ascension. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Please. <laughs> right. Uh, so one of my favorite parts of the fact is this. See, I remember pretty vividly when Innistrad came out. And uh, now the fact is saying that some older sets of magic feature double faced cards. <laughs> and it makes me feel old. As yeah, I, I like that, too. <laughs> oh, those foregone days of. OK, you, you're talking about Innistrad. I read the bullet that says uh, some older sets have cards that have uh, cards that can turn uh, face down cards on the battlefield face up. You know, yeah, we're back is, in Onslaught, which, which is 2001. And I'm like, wasn't that that? It was 13 years. Well, I guess maybe it is. I'm old. <laughs> I'm a sword. All right. So first off, let's start with if you already have a double face card on the battlefield and you use something like Ixadron, anything in the world to turn it face down, nothing happens. That has not changed. Isn't Ixadron the only thing in the world that does that? I don't know. Maybe there's something else. I don't know. <laughs> Illusionary mask, maybe? No, because no, no. as you cast it face down. Oh, all right, right, right. Um, and it can't even be on the stack face down either. Yeah, I can't, huh? But, <laughs> but when you manifest a card from your library, if it's double face, it can still enter face down, and it's still a two-two. Um, if you want to turn it face up, you're going to use the day side to determine its characteristics. So to tell it's, it's a side, it's, a, it's it's called the it's the front face. It's the day side. It's the day it's, side, man. This, it's got a little. It's got almost referred to it as the front face and the back face. But it's got the little sun. Yes, the day side. But, but that, the only reason they did that is because it was like werewolves and vampires. Like they could do it without that. And, and it's I'll, the front I'll face correct and the my face. terminology when we have new double face cards. Jeez, oh, there you go. Until then, okay. Hold just like on. just like now, I'm I'm trying very hard not to call turning something face up unmorphing it because that's generally not how you do it anymore. So, so CJ, I have I have tournament logistic question for you. Yeah. 
Okay. I have on the top of my library, I have a double face card. It's the top card of my library. Double yep. face card. How do I get it face down you on the take battlefield? It from your library and then you put it face down in front of you. But As it was on your library, it is now in front of you. But but it's but okay, it was a checklist card, so it has a back, but I got this rule that says the second I put a checklist card on the battlefield, I got to replace it with the the real card so so how, how wait, wait for the rules update because the rules are changing slightly to accommodate right manifest so so we don't right. know exactly how but they're going to the rules for double face cards are changing to it's, handle manifest realistically it's probably going to work exactly like you you think it does okay the top card of your library it's either a double face card in a sleeve or a checklist card in a sleeve or a checklist card not in a sleeve Okay, those are kind of the, the, the three combinations. Hopefully an opaque sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> and whichever and whichever those three it is, you're gonna pick it up, you're gonna put it face down on the battlefield. Then if it happens to be a checklist card that's face down, when you flip the card face up, then you're gonna go get the double face card that it represents and put it on the battlefield in place of the checklist card. Probably the way that's going to be, because to me, that's what makes the most sense. So people on like Reddit and Tumblr and Facebook and all that stuff who are freaking out about how that's supposed to work. Yeah, it's not that hard. It's it's going to it's going to work. Whatever they got to do to change the rules to make it work like that is what they're going to do. So we there was a mirror weave question we didn't actually discuss. What? Uh, if I have a non a creature that doesn't have morph and. I mirror weave it into a creature that does have morph. Can I pay its morph cost? I would say yes. Yeah, because morph and manifest work differently. Uh, so, the face, so the face down. So the so so the creature was. Let me just make sure I understand this. The creature's like, oh, say a land of war elf, a face down land right. of war elf, and then I mirror weave it into a Ponyback Brigade Snaplorian. Yes, because I'm going to 2001 reference, right? <laughs> okay, boo, fine. Ponyback Brigade we'll um, in 2014. Yeah, because the first part of morphing it is to flip it over uh, and show that it's got a morph. And when you when you reveal it, because the, of but the, the rule, I mean, the rules for manifest don't actually allow that. So I'm I'm very interested no, to see can, how they change. The rules for manifest say that if a card with morph is manifested and the card doesn't have morph, for like because morph exists, you can start to attempt to unmorph any face down permanent. Right. Like even if Ixodron put it down, you can fact, you can get as far as revealing it. The fact that it was manifested doesn't really mean anything except when you try and turn it up with the manifestability. Uh, but if you're turning it face up, like like let's even just remove manifest entirely and it's just face down because of Ixodron or Illusionary Mask or whatever. Yeah, but that's yeah. like being face down because you played it with Morph and being face down because you manifested aren't necessarily the same thing. Uh, they they have different, but face down is face down, right? It's, it's no, it's how, actually not. Yeah, like manifest controls manifest changes how you turn it face up. I know it is face down, but it is also a manifested permanent. So I'm wondering, and I'm not trying to create a, a tangent argument here. I'm sorry, but I was just curious about how that works, and I'm not I'm not 100 sure which direction that goes. I think when we get the, I think when we get the full rules out, we'll probably it probably work the way you describe. Yeah, it, it, that would make sense. <clears> huh. <throat> So, anyway, to, to wrap up Manifest, so, okay, here's first off, for your pre-release, Manifest actually isn't that bad. <laughs> no, Manifest is, as long as you're just playing with 
standard cards or limited cards, it's super easy. Yeah, it's actually not bad at all. It's probably a little easier than Morph, to be honest. Um, it's only when people start trying to add in all this other crap that it gets difficult. From older sets. Yeah. Uh, oh, there is one thing that could get confusing uh, that I do want to bring up, and that is uh, you might be concerned about which cards were manifested and which cards were morphed. Yes. So that at the end of the game, you could say, okay, now let's turn up all your manifested cards. I see that there's a lightning bolt there or whatever. And turn up all your morph cards. It's oh, I see that those are creatures with morph. Fortunately, the new set is going to come with... You'll know that uh, Contatark here came with these little morph backs you could put on the card. This is going to have manifest backs you could put on the card. Yep. yep. Yeah. Too. And just just mentioned the uh, the final thing I want to mention here because I've I've heard some judges messing this up and I don't know why. Um, when a game ends or uh, any face down permanent period is changing zones, you have to reveal it. That's part of the face down rules. That's not part of the morph rules. Um, so even manifested cards, you have to reveal them. Some judges I've seen have been like. You know, you're not trying to show any legality there, but you still have to reveal it because it's just consistent with morph. Right. Um, so I would say at uh, competitive, I would wager that not revealing your your manifested cards would be a, a warning, like like a morph is today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so the other the other thing this goes in that Jess said is you do have to keep track of your morphs. There is no, there is no questions of like, can I pick all my morphs up and sh- can I, or sorry, can I pick all my face down creatures up and shuffle them and lay them down again? Nope. Well, well, sure you could if you could be like, yes. this was the first one face down and this was the second one face right. down. You then have to, uh, but then- there's no way to confirm that. You have now created a problem. <laughs> yes, you need to, you need to be able, you need to be able to, to track which one was which and which one you know which one came down first which one came down second which one you manifested which one you morphed okay so i think we're ready i think we're ready for the card by card garbage all right okay yeah so it's i think not it's like garbage it's great it's great all right someone start us off with cloud form all right fine all right all right one blue blue one blue blue for an instant or sorry for an enchantment haha that says when cloud form enters the battlefield it becomes an aura with enchanted creature with enchant creature manifest the top card of your library and attach cloud form to it enchanted creature has flying and hexproof okay so basically what you're doing is this is just a lot of fancy wording to manifest a card and attach uh, uh, an aura to it. Okay. Yep. Um, that's a triggered that's ability. Conceptually, really, really simple. But yes, it's a triggered ability, much like animated dead. And we all know how simple that card is. Um, so if cloud form is destroyed in response to the trigger, you're still going to manifest. Okay. And if you have an empty library when you try to manifest and attach cloud form to it, then you're not going to manifest anything because your library is empty. Uh, it will still become an aura with enchant creature that's not attached to anything. And then state-based actions are going to uh, cart it off to the graveyard. I think this card is a good is a good show of how um, state-based actions are what cleans up the game. Because like, there's a brief moment when resolving this card when it's an aura that is not attached to anything. But because we're not checking state-based actions in the middle of the spell... It uh, it you know it, it ends up working. The card works. So I want to talk about Palace Siege, not about the card specifically, but about the new formatting. 
So Palace Siege reads, as Palace Siege enters the battlefield, choose cons or dragons. Ooh, timeline splits. If you choose cons, at the beginning of your upkeep, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. If you choose dragons, at the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. So apparently the rules are going to have a new section for this and, they, and they're calling things like this anchor words. So cons and dragons are the anchor words in this, in this situation. Um, you basically just choose one of those two words as the palace siege enters the battlefield or any of the other siege cards. And it's worth noting that each choice is linked to that specific card, that specific enter the battlefield ability. So if you choose cons and then play another palace siege or another siege and choose dragons, it doesn't affect the first siege that you played. Each one has its own choice. I really want to get a cons and dragons coin now that I can just flip and put on huh. one side. That's cute. That should have been a pre-release thing. It, it might be. I don't actually know what's in the little pre-release have, boxes this I time. I have no idea what's happening this pre-release. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to go find. I get to go be. Do you have any idea how excited I am that I get to go be a customer at this pre-release and not know what's going on when I get there? Like I know yeah. the rules, but like I don't know what the 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 stuff that they're gonna do at the event is. I'm excited. Yeah, I have no idea either. Yeah. Maybe I will go to a pre-release. I wasn't going to, but. I'm but now that I've mentioned a, a Cons and Dragons coin. Well, the fact that I don't know anything about it, you're right. That's exciting. I have no idea what it is. Um, um, it is. Oh, do, do, you want me, do you want me to tell you? Or no. I mean, I can... no, not now. <laughs> no? No. Man, you tried to spoil Buffy for me earlier. Now you're trying to spoil. I didn't try to. Sp- I just you, said you I hated. You totally did. You totally yeah. did. You Hold on. I said character. I said I hated Riley. Alone. I said I hated Riley. And then, and then he you started talking about a good four. episode to be like, ah, this is one you haven't seen yet. I and, said Hush was a good episode. And then, and then you started, yeah. Have you seen? Have you seen the episode where no one's able to talk yet? He goes, no. I go, okay, I'm not going to spoil it. No, I know there's an episode where no one can talk. Oh, no. Great. It's a really you know, good episode. But there, right. there's, a, there's an episode where Buffy goes on a date. Did I ruin that episode for you now, too? But wait, what? <laughs> Giles says, tut tut. Did I ruin that episode <laughs> for you? All right, so. There's an episode with Giles and a sombrero. Actually, it's Giles. <laughs> Giles and a sombrero. They, they have a Halloween episode of Buffy. Did I ruin that one for you? <laughs> All right, so. Right now, Brian's being a defiant ogre. So, Jess, can you tell defiant us? Defiant ogre. <laughs> what that defiant means? Defiant ogre um, is. Guess what? Is Willow that... goes grows up to star on a sitcom called How I Met Your Mother. Can I? Yeah, that was a really weird plot twist. I know. I, I like <laughs> to imagine <laughs> they the, don't bring uh, up the witch casting spells hardly ever. I like to imagine that the modern show Bones is um, is Angel living his life when he was in the Hell Dimension. Like that's. <laughs> That's his hell life. His yes. Yeah. Yes, really? absolutely. Yeah, sure. That's, it's hell for him? Yeah. Agent Booth? Agent Booth. No. Yeah, he he's has gotta, to go around to a world where he's an idiot. He's good. <laughs> that's a good life. He's got a good life. It's all right. Except for the part where he's an idiot. Oh, he's got the belt. He's got the, 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 the belt buckle and the funny socks. Yeah. Yeah. This is like your dream life, isn't it? <laughs> Be Agent Booth. You're Brian, you, you wish you were Agent Booth. You know, Agent, I, Agent Booth is why I'm watching Buffy now. I was like, I have to see young Agent Booth. I'm I'm rewatching the series on Netflix. Like Bones. Now. Yeah. Me too, man. I've been watching it for like a year now. Yeah, so, I yeah me too. Me every too. Night. All three of us are watching Bones. That's weird. Right. I never heard of anyone who watched Bones. Um, <laughs> uh, that's pretty awesome. Anyway, back anyway. to Defiant Ogre. <laughs> um, so Defiant Ogre has. It's actually pretty straightforward. It's a really overcost three five. <laughs> it really it's, is. 
Five and a red for a three five. So first of all, you're paying six mana for a red creature. You're you're doing it wrong. Um, but he's an ogre warrior. Uh, he says when defiant ogre enters the battlefield, choose one. Put a plus one plus one counter on defiant ogre or destroy target artifact. Um, so this is pretty straightforward. It's a modal triggered ability. Um, like when you cast a spell, you have to choose this. Basically, as soon you put it on the stack, and then you choose which of these modes you want. Uh, and you can't choose a mode that that targets if there aren't any legal targets. So if I play this as a three five, and there aren't any artifacts to destroy, I have to make it a one one. Put, put it. Uh, I'm sorry. I have to. I'm sorry. I have to give it a plus one plus one counter and make it a yeah. four six. Like when Booth had um, to choose whether or not to so, marry Bones or allow Pallant to kill five people. Is that a spoiler, Brian? Uh, no. <laughs> I, think so, that ep- I, I think I've seen that episode. Anyway, um, so it might be a bit of a spoiler for me. You're kind of a jerk. Oh, Anyways, wow. Um, Don't worry. So, it's, you know they get together. Six mana for a four six isn't quite as bad, but it's still a six mana red creature, so you're doing it wrong. Yeah, it's still so, bad. So let me, let me just, one thing, I'm going to bring up Strionic Resonator, which lets you copy triggered abilities. Uh, when you copy it, you are copying the mode that was chosen. Yes. Yeah, you have to, you have to, um, so if I say I'm going to use this to put a plus one plus one counter on my guy, and then I'm going to copy it and destroy your artifact. No, you're not, because that doesn't work. You have, the one you picked, you're going to copy that again. Yep, just like when you copy, if you copy a spell with a modal ability, you're going to get whichever one that was chosen. So it's, it's the, it's the same. Right, so... So, oh, that's why it costs six mana. There's dragons in the background. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> so, Brian, didn't they call you Beastmaster in college? No, but I did have two ferrets named Kodo and Podo. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. You that. know their names just out, out of the blue like that, dude? That those those things that like wrapped around you and then shimmied and then just like yeah, I remember the those. Pudding, those things scared scared me. Yeah, I remember that. But uh, uh, but wow. Oz wants your children. Wow, I just, have no idea what you're. We just episode? have an episode of random references we can we all pick up on. Apparently, swooped down and and grabbed uh, grabbed the child. The priest was trying to convince everybody that yeah, this bones thing has made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, carry on. We're only in the A's. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Abzan Abzan Beastmaster uh, for two and a green is a two one Hound Shaman. What is what is this? Someone's been watching Game of Thrones. Um, at the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card if you control the creature with the greatest toughness or tied for the greatest toughness. Now this is right here. This is kind of this is kind of interesting because if you read it, it sure seems like that's an intervening if clause, but it's not. What? Be- what? Because it's just it it checks on resolution. Normally, intervening if clauses are you know trigger can uh, trigger state comma if blah 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 comma effect. Okay, this does not have that structure. It's just at the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card if this is the case. Okay, so um, it's not an intervening if it checks on resolution. The trigger happens uh, regardless. Yeah, so they, could, they could. Um... I guess even if it wasn't intervening F, but they could kill your creature if you have the greatest toughness one in response, and then you wouldn't get to draw a card. Yes. 
But the point of this is that it triggers whether or not you have the, the creature with the yeah, biggest. Yeah, so you could flash in yeah, a creature could, with the highest toughness. Well, or you could just giant growth something. Because I think might be part of the point. Like So so at the beginning of your upkeep, you could giant growth your dude to get the, this card. Yeah, that makes sense. Which I think is, like, I've seen this kind of wording before, and it's almost always on effects that happen at upkeep and care about power. Yeah. Or toughness, yeah. rather. Power toughness. So I think that is probably exactly why it's worded this way. All right. Next. Next, we have Alicia, who smiles at death. <laughs> And uh, there is no way I could pack enough drama into that card name. No, uh, it's just not possible. I love this card. Uh, and you, can either of you tell me the reason that I love this card as much as I do? Because it's your tiny leaders general. Because it's good uh, to be my new tiny leaders general. Uh, uh, I've currently got a Tesa deck, so I'm going to be porting some of the cards over from Tesa. But um, that's more of a combo deck, and this is going to be a, a little different. But um, anyway, Alicia Who Smiles of Death is the new mardu leader for tiny leaders then there didn't previously exist a a mardu leader for tiny leaders so i'm very happy about that uh she's a three mana creature uh which is very fairly costed for a red creature unlike that other guy from earlier uh just first strike and when alicia who smiles at death attacks you may pay white slash black white slash black hybrid if you do return target creature card with power two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped and attacking um i've already gotten some interesting questions about this um first of all you have to choose the creature as as this ability goes on the stack so you can't just like sacrifice a creature in response or something weird but you choose the target as it goes on the stack it uh always targets whether or not you choose to pay it and then you choose to pay it when it resolves so you could be like, I'm going to attack and I'm going to target this guy over here. And your opponent's like, oh, I'm going to exile your guy from your graveyard. And you go, cool, I wasn't going to pay anyway. <laughs> uh, that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, the creature is put on the battlefield tapped and attacking. And you get to choose what it is attacking if there's more than one choice. So if your opponent has some planeswalkers, uh, you can or attack multi- either them. Or, or it's multiplayer. This kind of thing comes up most often when there's a Gideon Jura involved. Uh, Gideon Jura says... Uh, Gideon Jura insults your mother. Everybody, everybody must attack him. Oh, okay. Um, that's oh, that's one of his abilities. Yeah, he's yeah. the rudest planeswalker. <laughs> um, he he insults his, he insults your mother. Uh, he he caps your bros and he smacks you. Um, those are his abilities. So <laughs> he is like if I had to if I had to pick a planeswalker that was a frat boy, <laughs> it would be Gideon Jura. Exactly. Okay. Um, so anyway, so if you know everybody has to attack Gideon, so you bring somebody in attacking with Alicia. Come um, through. Yeah. So you you your guy that's coming in because uh, they're Alicia's friend doesn't have to attack Gideon because you've already met that requirement for attacking. You can attack the player or another planeswalker. Um, furthermore, what happens if I try to bring like a Sylvan Carrioted back or any other creature with Defender? It comes into play tapped, tapped. but not attacked. Well, actually, no, it's tapped and attacked. Yeah, it's attacking. Oh, it's yeah. tapped and attacked. It actually comes into play ta- tapped and attacking, which is not intuitive, but that's the way it works because even though it can't attack, it's it didn't attack. It just happens to be attacking. It's very strange. Yes. Um, what Defender means is in the Declare Combat step, of the phase, you cannot declare attacker. Is that declare it as an attacker. Turn it sideways and push it forward. However, something puts it into play, attacking after that point. Sure, fine, whatever. Good job. So, so yeah, this is going to be uh, my new uh, tiny leader. I might even write about it. So, uh, if you have suggestions on what and how I should build that, please let me know. 
All right. <laughs> Hit me up on Facebook. Um, okay. So let's see. I feel like there's someone I forgot about this. No. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So we were talking about... Did you just mention that, Brian, about the, the not triggering abilities? Uh, so... No, not specifically. Okay, so when it's coming into play, it kind of relates to what we were just talking about. When it comes into play, uh, attacking, it doesn't trigger anything that says when this attacks. Or when a creature attacks. Uh, or when a creature like attacks, that. or, yeah, so yeah. like... Or whenever another dragon attacks. So, like, what's the name of that guy that no didn't actually see any play that, uh, like, has your life total or something when it deals when it attacks? Or sets your life total to one when it attacks? Or something? Anyway. Um, uh, so the point is... Pain. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. When things that say when this attacks do something, you just don't do that thing. Yeah. All right. I get to talk about Arc Bond, unfortunately. Yay. All right. So Arc Bond reads it's an instant. Uh, choose target creature. Whenever that creature is dealt damage this turn, it deals that much damage to each other creature and each player. So basically, to summarize what this does, I cast um, Arc Bond, I target my bear cub, and then someone does five damage to my bear cub. It's going to do five damage to the bear cub itself. Will do five damage to every other creature and player that exists, including me, including my creatures, including your creatures, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so, because the creature is the one dealing the damage, effects like lifelink are really good because you will actually gain the life for all the damage it deals. Uh, this is actually a good chance to mention that. Um, well, we'll probably get to this again later. But every FAQ, we have to mention that if something uh, has a target and the target becomes illegal, the whole spell is countered. So in this case, if you chose my bear cub and then someone kills the bear cub in response, the whole spell is countered. It's not going to start doing damage to everyone. Right. So, so if I lightning bolt your bear cub before arc bond resolves, it's countered. But if yes. I lightning bolt it after arc bond resolves, weird stuff happens. Yeah, we're dealing three damage to everything. Okay. So I got a, I got a question, yeah. Corey, with the lightning bolt. So you cast arc bond, it resolves. Okay. Okay. And then I cast lightning bolt targeting the bear cub. Okay. Bear cub's gonna die. State based actions, two two with three damage on it. It dies. And then arc bond has the creature dealing damage. What? Yeah. What? what? Yeah, and that still works just fine. Uh, just like old. Our old buddy Mog Fanatic. Um, if if we need to know anything about that creature, we will use its last known information. So, however, it last existed on the battlefield. Um, so, if you said, you know, if it's a bear cub and it said, you know, we are cast earlier, target creature gains lifelink until end of turn, we're still going to get that lifelink out of it, or uh, you know, if something gave it infect or or whatever, Ooh, giving it infect. Now you probably just kill yourself. Um, but. <laughs> But yeah, it doesn't matter if the creature's dead. We're still able to do the damage to everything. And so what if I cast an arc bond and you cast an arc bond um, on one of your creatures and I cast it on one of my creatures? What's going to happen there? Cats and dogs <laughs> living together. Mass hysteria. So oh, this has a quote from Alicia who smiles at death. If you must die today, make your death worthy of a legend. Anyway. Some words to live by. Yeah, some legend. Sarkin didn't know who you were, so must not have been that good. Oh, oh, oh. Um, okay, okay. So deal damage to one of my creatures. It's going to trigger Arc Bond, and it's going to deal damage to your creatures, which will then trigger your Arc Bond, and this will repeat until one of the creatures is dead, and we don't have to worry about it anymore. 
Um, this could potentially cause a draw in a very narrow case where both of those creatures has protection or some kind of prevention effect on them, and both players have something on them that prevents them from taking damage. In that case, we would be in an infinite loop, but it would be pretty tough to pull off because generally, even if the two creatures have life protection, eventually one of the players will die, so it won't matter. All right. Yes. Jess, you want to break through the line here? Break through the line? Yeah. I can do that. <laughs> Hold on. I was sorry. I was looking ahead at some other things. So uh, breaking through the line. Uh, breaking through the line is a sweet looking enchantment. Seriously, if you haven't looked at this card yet, do it. It's awesome. Are those lava axes? I don't even know. So um, they look like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's whatever. Whatever weapons these guys are holding and possibly that shield is just made of molten magma. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's awesome. It's an enchantment uh, that says pay one red mana. Target creature with power two or less gains haste until end of turn and can't be blocked this turn. Um, so this is cool because it does two things. I can either make my, you know, make my guy have haste or I can keep your guy from blocking. And I can do it multiple times in a turn uh, because, you know, it's it's doesn't require it to tap. But on to the rulesy stuff. Um it's a targeting restriction, so you can make the target illegal by boosting its power. But what you keep, but, but if it's already resolved and the the power of the creature goes up, then it it doesn't matter. It still has the effect that you gave it. So it could be unblockable. Right. Cool. I used to have a whole deck built around that. I, I... Oh, can't be blocked. This I misread this card. It's still good. My yeah. bad. <laughs> it's still good and limited. <laughs> I thought no, I thought I thought it made a guy not be able to block. So like you could give your guy haste or make their guys not able to block. Oh. Uh, so I thought it was like a cool like two pronged thing. No, you no. Pick one. Um, so what you want to do is make your your bear cub can't be blocked, and then you want to bolster him and get on through. Yeah. Yeah. Mirror weave him into a pony back brigade. It's yes. still a two two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't get. The goblins. And you don't get goblins. It's the ponyback bear cub. He's so sad. Sounds brutal. Yeah. So um, I have a soft spot in my heart for cards that do weird things in multiplayer. And so Brutal Horde Chief, it's a 3-3 for 3 and a black. Sorry, I just saw the next card. You guys are punishing me. You did this on purpose. Yes. Carry on. Um, So whenever um, it's got, whenever a creature you control attacks... Defending player loses one life, you gain one life. Okay, it's got another ability, but let's talk about that for just a second. So um, whenever the defending player is the person who you are attacking or the person who controls the planeswalker that you are attacking. Okay, and that's going to trigger if I attack with three creatures, then the defending player is going to lose three life and I'm going to gain three life because it's whenever a creature attacks. As There's opposed, also a, yes, a prime trigger that um, Alicia's <laughs> second ability would not make trigger. This is a prime example of one. Yes. So if you're if you're putting a creature onto the battlefield tapped and attacking, it is not going to cause brutal horde chief to uh, to uh, to trigger. However, um, so it, it's got a second ability, which is three, and then the red white hybrid, red white hybrid. Uh, Creatures your opponents control block this turn if able, and you choose how those creatures block. Okay, 
So you activate it and you get to specify how not how all of your opponent's creatures block if able and then you get to decide how they how they block. I mean they they have to block, but you can you can like dogpile all of the creatures on like one guy. Now, all blocking declarations must still be legal. Okay, so you can't just decide to like if if a if a creature says hey, I can only block by myself and the guy's got like four other creatures. Well, then you have to you have to go through the whole uh, 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 restrictions and requirements stuff for blocking to come up with this is, uh, the legal block. What's up? This is really sweet in multiplayer formats because you don't even have to be the one attacking. Nope. To control how your opponent blocks. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that guy over there is attacking you. Yeah, you have to block his guys. Yes. <laughs> right. I know. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, so, if you could come so, into the office this Saturday, that, that'd be great. So Bitty Kitty attacks Battle Cat, and Milkshake is just like, okay, Battle Cat, here's how you're blocking. Okay, now here's another thing that's kind of weird. Let's say that that Bitty Kitty and Battle Cat... Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose track of like which one's attacking and which one's <laughs> not. Let's say that the two two people have Brutal Horde Chief and they both activate it. Okay, so first off. It's it doesn't affect you. It affects your opponents. So really what's going to happen is um, uh, my one of my opponents who activated it, their their ability is going to affect me. The one I activated, my ability is going to affect them. But then we've got probably this poor sod in the middle, this third player who has both of them competing. So I've got two effects that basically say. I get to control how you block. No, I get to control how you block. And really how you decide there is the last one to resolve is the guy who gets to decide how that that poor sod has to block. Ooh. All right. That's <laughs> It's really neat. It's a neat fun card. I love it. I like it a lot. And the fact that you can just you can just snipe people in a multiplayer game with it is amazing. Yeah, it is pretty sweet. I don't even play multiplayer games. What if you attack a planeswalker? Except for what? What if you attack a planeswalker? Uh, With regards does that affect to the this first at all? Oh, if you attack a planeswalker, then the, the controller of that planeswalker is still the defending player. Okay. Womp so womp. I guess I play, actually playing this in uh, Arch Enemy seems awesome. Like as the Arch Enemy, be like, your guys have to block as I see fit. Uh yeah, they <laughs> but, they, but, just but they do have to. But they do have to block with all of their dudes. Yeah. So they're probably really, really going to kill that thing dead if yes. you just dogpile all onto one. You, dog, just, you no. dogpile something with with first strike and and death touch. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> just be like, oh hey, you get one. Oh, hey, you get one. Everybody check under your seat. There's death touch. <laughs> <laughs> you. All right, you are you are channeling harm to those creatures. <laughs> all right channel harm that's the next card and it's 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 the prevention effect card that we have to spend way too long talking about um so one thing okay let me read it it's an instant cost six mana for some reason prevent all damage that would be would be dealt to you and permanents you control this turn by sources you don't control that's why if damage is prevented this way you may have channel harm deal that much damage to target creature so if you're paying attention, in all those words, the word target was in there, which means this spell does target, and it has one single target, and that's a creature. 
So, like I mentioned earlier, if that creature dies in response to this spell, channel harm will be countered and nothing will be prevented. Uh, however, after channel harm resolves, if the targeted creature dies, which it probably will, because you've just redirected everything to it. I'm sorry, not redirected, but you've just dealt a ton of damage to it, most likely. Um, you're still going to be safe for the rest of your turn from sources that you don't control. So the damage will still be prevented, it just won't be dealt to anything. So, and why I corrected myself there a little bit earlier is that this is not a redirection effect. So things like lifelink or whatever won't matter. Um, it, channel harm will prevent the damage and then channel harm will deal the damage. And much like the arc, whatever I talked about earlier, arc bond, uh, what happens if you have two of these going at once? So I channel harm your creature, you channel harm my creature, what's going to happen? Well, um, you lightning bolt my creature, my channel harm applies, prevents the damage, deals the damage to your creature. Now this is a new damage event. Your channel harm will then prevent that damage and deal damage to my creature, so on and so forth forever. Well, um, but is it forever? Thankfully... This is not an infinite loop because channel harm says if damage is prevented this way, you may have channel harm deal that much, that much damage to a creature. So the good news is eventually one of you has to decide to stop dealing the damage. Ooh, let's say it kills what, both of us or like whichever one of us stops is dead. How do we, we decide? Well, we wouldn't be dead because it's only dealing it to a creature. Oh, it's, oh you're right. It's still yeah. dealing it to. Okay, so fine. So ultimately it doesn't matter, but... Oh, yeah, it does. It doesn't matter, but the active player would have to stop. But in both cases... if they're both stuffy dolls. Yeah, look uh, at that. The damage stuff. is prevented. The damage is always prevented. So even if the damage isn't dealt again, the damage is prevented. So no damage is being dealt in that situation, in the double channel harm situation. Yeah. So it doesn't but, matter. But again, just on, on loops, if, if CJ and I are in a loop where he's making a decision, then I'm making a decision, and it gets us back to the same point... Essentially, that is called a, a fragmented loop, I think, where it's like you're making a decision, then I'm making a decision, and we end up in the exact same spot. And eventually, the active player has to, is the rules of the game force that player to not make that decision anymore that is, that is bringing us back to the same state over and over and over again. So if you're going to do this, do it on your opponent's turn. <laughs> well... Not for this one specifically. Well, sure. Any fragmented loop. This do it on your opponent. Yeah. Do it on your opponent's turn. All right. Uh, Crucible of the Spirit Dragon is a land. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's got hedrons in it, too. Yeah, fancy. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Um, so it's got the ubiquitous tap, add one colorless mana to your mana pool ability because it's a land. It also has one and a tap. Put a storage counter on Crucible of the Spirit Dragon. Ooh, storage counter. And then we can tap to remove. It's been a while, have we? What? It's been storage a while. counters. Yeah, it's been a while yeah. since we've seen a storage counter. Yeah. Tap, remove X storage counters from Crucible of the Spirit Dragon. Add X mana in any combination of colors to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast dragon spells or activate abilities of dragons. Um, so uh, a few things that that last ability you get you get a bunch of mana, but you can only spend it to cast dragon spells, which are spells on the stack which have a type of dragon or subtype of dragon, or activate abilities of dragons. Now it doesn't say dragon cards; it just says dragons, which means only 
dragons on the battlefield. So basically a spell on the stack or a dragon on the battlefield. So you may not sus- use this mana to suspend your Pardic dragon. Or planes cycle your eternal dragon. Or planes cycle your eternal dragon. <laughs> right. Oh, very good. Um, you can use this mana for dash because you are his an alternate cost, but you are still casting the, the so if there's any dash dragons, uh, you can cast those. Um, if you play an ability that copies the doubles the amount of mana in your mana pool, like doubling cube, okay, the doubled mana does not have the same restriction. Uh, additionally, it's going deep. It is going deep. <laughs> um, and then uh, to go less deep, uh, <laughs> manifest and morph are not activated abilities. So if you have a, a, a face-down dragon that was manifested, uh, you may not use uh, its ability to to uh, the, the color any color mana to uh, either manifest or m- morph that dragon face up. Uh, and Ugin is not a dragon, yeah. so you can't you can't use uh, uh, Crucible of the Spear Dragon's third ability to cast Ugin. Well, I don't know why you need. All I'd like to call flavor man. judges. I would like it, to call the flavor judges and okay. have them vote. Okay, on, uh, I'm here. This is the Crucible of the Spirit Dragon, which implies to me that he's he's already there. He's already there or trapped, maybe. So, so what you're telling me is I can't even activate this ability unless Ugin's on the field. I will give you permission to cast <laughs> Nicol Bolas with it. <laughs> oh, that's old, just, old or that's, new. That's just a smack in the. It is. It's well the old the new Nickel Bolas is a planeswalker. I know, but I'm I'm giving permission. Oh, you're giving that's that's a real <laughs> smack in the face right there. Because Ugin Ugin would be kind of mad. Yeah, he would. Do you know what Do you know what else this card is good for? Uh, Dragon Welt. Giving Omnath extra green mana. Yeah, but it still you has can't spend it. It still has the restriction. Yeah, but it still pumps him. Yeah, it does uh, still pump him. Now, wasn't there? A conspiracy card or something like that that did something weird with your mana. Made it colorless, the Crufix. Yeah. God of Horizons. Yeah, I wasn't going to go that deep, but you brought up Mana Cube or whatever that's called. Doubling doubling Cube. So if you had this mana in your mana pool at the end of a step or phase, uh, Crufix would instead convert it to a colorless mana, but it would still be this same mana, so it would still have the same restrictions on it for the dragon spells or activated abilities of dragons. But it would now be colorless. So if someone really wanted to know the Krupix interaction, there it is. <laughs> Good. Jess, you All got right. the last con. You can get this con, too. All right. All this right. is Dagatar the Adamant. Ooh. Um, that's not nearly as cool as Alicia, who smiles at death. But he has a mace that has a spirit in it. Okay. True story. So, is that what that is? That what that, like, I can see this mace. It's like glowing orange. Yeah, it was in one of the articles. Like, it's pretty sweet looking. Uh, I kind of want it. Um, anyway, so this is a four mana zero zero. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> Fails has... the vanilla test. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. It's all that's interesting about this card. Uh, it's four mana zero zero with vigilance, and Dagatar the Adamant enters the battlefield with four plus one plus one counters. Now, you can move a plus one plus one counter from target creature onto a second target creature for one and hybrid green-black, hybrid green-black. Uh, so what this means is that you're taking, you are removing a counter 
from one target creature and placing a counter onto a second target creature. Um, so with things like Hardened Scales, for example, or Doubling Season to, to for an older version of that. Yeah. Um, just trying to keep Brian happy. <laughs> hard, hardened Scales for uh, for those of us who like new cards. Um, it, it's considered moving a counter is considered removing it and adding another one. So if I move a plus one plus one counter from a single creature to another creature, I'll be adding two counters to the second creature with hardened scales. With our, with hardened scales or doubling season in play. Um, both targets have to uh, be legal for there to be a move. You can't, uh, you know, if I, if one of the targets becomes illegal, the move doesn't happen. And the the first ability, I, I don't. I don't know if this will come up very often, but the first ability is not a triggered ability. So, like, it enters the battlefield with four plus one plus one counters. You can't... You, it doesn't enter the battlefield and then die because it doesn't have any counters yet. It, it enters with them. Yeah, I think this is a good one to mention um, that manifest is bad with him. You don't want to manifest him. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's a very good point. You uh, If you manifest Dagatar, the adamant... He will not be very adamant when you turn him face up for four mana and get a zero zero, yeah. and then he will be a four mana zero zero. Um, and yeah, it's it's pretty bad. He'll be filled with dragon rage. Oh, dragon, dragon rage! rage. <laughs> uh, two in a red instant. Add our red to your mana pool for each attacking creature you control. Until end of turn, attacking creatures you control gain red. This creature gets plus one plus zero oh until end of turn, so they get fire breathing. Um, a couple things to say about this. First off, this is not a mana ability, although we haven't had instance be mana ability since like Ice Age, so I don't know why I even talked about that. But secondly, um, well, first you could cast this even if you didn't have any creatures attacking; it wouldn't do anything. But you could cast it. Uh, so obviously, the ideal time to cast this is after you've already declared attackers. Um, but this mana that you get will empty at the end of the current step you're in. So basically this spell is worthless if you don't cast it during either declare attackers or declare blockers. If you don't cast it before combat damage, you really don't have a lot of use for that mana. Um, however, your creatures will be attacking until the end of combat step if, if it really is important to you. But that, cre that mana will empty, so you probably want to just use it to fire breathe immediately unless you have some flash creature or something, I don't know. You wouldn't be able to raid because you have raiding is casting. So, or so, dash. I keep calling dash raid. Yeah. So, um, real quick, I know you said it's not a mana ability, but I just want to clarify why it is not a mana ability. Um, it it does add mana to your mana pool, but it is a triggered ability. Or I'm sorry, it's um, it's, it's it's a spell. Sorry, it's, yeah, it's not a triggered ability. Burp, burp. Mm -hmm. uh, so a mana ability has to be one of a certain number of things specifically defined, and this is just not one of those things. That's yeah. a mana ability has to be an ability. That's yeah, it doesn't. Well, this is one. a spell ability. It has to be. It has to be an activated ability, ability or a triggered ability that triggers off of an activated ability. Nobody that uses the word ability. spell ability. It's nobody a, says that. I know it's a thing, but nobody it's says that. Rules. We're judges. We're but nobody has ever said. Yeah, but I mean, this is the same guy who says dayside and nightside. So what do you expect? Dayside and nightside is probably what the FAQ says. All right, I'm looking that one up. All right, somebody else get flame rush. Okay, Raiders. well I guess I'll have to talk. <laughs> Jeez, okay, this card, this card, we included it in the FAQ because it just has 
a lot of bullet points about it. So Flamer Shrider for four and a red is a 3-3 human warrior with dash. So uh, for two red red. So you can you can dash it on out. And then it has this triggered ability. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> I was thrilled about Flamer Rider. Is that, is that card, card tiring? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually, that's the triggered ability. Whenever Flamer Rider attacks, yawn. Yawn. Um, no. <laughs> When Flamerous Rider attacks, put a token onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking that's a copy of another target attacking creature. Exile that token at the end of combat. Um, so you're putting a token onto the battlefield that is tapped and attacking, so you do have a target. Um, you are not targeting uh, a Flamerous Rider. It has to be another uh, creature. Um, let's see here. Uh, you can then uh, choose what that token is attacking, so it doesn't have to attack the same thing. It can attack a different, maybe a Planeswalker, or if it's, you know, EDH, a different player, whatever. Um, the token is not going to trigger any of the whenever, you know, whenever a creature attacks triggers. Um, hope you didn't copy a Hydra, because, or Dagatar the Adamant. Is he legendary? Is Dagadar legendary? Probably. Yeah, he's legendary. Yeah, he's a con. Yeah, yeah. So don't copy a Hydra or any of them creatures that are zero zeros uh, that that uh, that base their number of counters off of. Well, I guess Dagadar would be fine because it's as he comes into play. Um, but any of the Hydras that are like zero zero that get counters based on the mana cost you paid for them, um, those are going to be uh, those Hydras are going to be zero zeros and die right away. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Here. You do get any enter the battlefield triggers. You do get any, uh, enter the battlefield replacement effects. Um, and if for some reason you copy the copy, the copy of the copy will not have the exile, the token at the end of combat clause. And I'm not going to, dedicate any brain space to figuring out what would happen if I had two flame rush riders attack. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, no, no, no. It's oh, it nothing because it's whenever it attacks, you put a copy on there. Yeah, oh, okay. So, copies and okay. That would be the end of it. That would yeah. be the end of it. Okay. So I did dedicate yeah. some brain space to it. And <laughs> it turned out to be unexciting. So yeah. it turns out I lost my groom contest with Jess and it does say front face on the FAQ. You looked it up too? Because I looked it up. Not yeah. only does it say front face and back face, in the Innistrad FAQ, which was hard to find because they weren't release notes. They were just FAQs back then. Uh, oh, no, I'm just also, talking about in the Fate Reforged FAQ. Oh, no, in the Innistrad FAQ, which I am looking at right now, it says front face and back face. and doesn't even have the words day and night side. All right. Yeah, that's right. Right there. Well, let me say it again. I lost my grim contest with Jess. Yeah, no, I got, I got, I just yeah. totally didn't care about your second. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So Grim Contest is the next card, um, and since I won one, I will talk about it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an instant, uh, that costs. And what is that cost? That that cost. It costs Maelstrom Pulse is what it costs. Oh. Uh, one in a black and a green. Um, it's an instant. It says choose target creature you control and target creature an opponent controls. Each of those creatures deals damage equal to its toughness to the other. Um, <clears throat> I find it interesting that they have apparently moved away from those creatures fight each other. 
Is there any difference here between fighting toughness. and toughness instead of power? Oh, what? Oh, it does say toughness. Yeah. And I read that out loud. Yes, okay. But so this is exactly the same as fighting, except it's toughness. Uh, so if either target is illegal when this resolves, they aren't going to do damage to each other, just yeah. like when you're fighting. But like there's, other a than tough, that, there's a small toughness matters sub theme. Uh, yeah, which is interesting because it's kind of the opposite of the, the, uh, the power matters thing from from cons. Hey, 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 different. All right. Yeah, it's like they're defecting away from one thing into another. Thank you. Humble defector. He's a little 2 1 for one in, all, one in red. All right, he says tap, draw two cards. Target opponent gains control of Humble defector. Activate abil- this ability only during your turn. So, this guy does some cute things. First off, it says activate only during your turn. It doesn't say activate whenever you cast a sorcery. So, if someone was trying to kill this guy, you could. Uh, you know, if they were doomblading him, you could activate him in response, which is pretty sweet because he's still going to die. Um, unfortunately, there's no way to use him in combat too effectively. I mean, you could block, then use him, and the other creature would be blocked, but they're still going to get the defector before combat damage is dealt. So it's going to remove him from combat. So that's not going to work. No, you just do cute things with like Kiora's follower, whatever it is. So you can yeah. tap him and draw two, and then untap him and draw two more, and the same guy gets control of him. Yes, that's, uh, that's exactly what you'd want to do with him. So, that's uh, that's a lot to set up, but yeah, but yeah, you could use his ability twice. And oh man, you could put Pim- get him once. You could put Pimmons Aura on him and just untap, 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 untap for a blue. No, so, time. so what you do is you just put a, you put a Splinter Twin on him, and then you make a copy and you use the copy to draw two cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's everything to say about it. I make a Kiki Jiki token, I tap it, give it to my opponent. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I might have to do that. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, Jeskai Infiltrator. Uh, For two and a blue, it's a two-three. Jeskai Infiltrator can't be blocked as long as you control no other creatures. So it's a good thing you got rid of your your humble defector. Uh, Combo. Yeah, yeah, combo. Draw two cards and yeah. Um, with chess guy infiltrator deals combat damage to a player, exile it, being the chess guy infiltrator, not the player. Yes, exile it and the top card of your library, uh, in a face down pile. Shuffle that pile, then manifest those cards. So the whole reason you're doing the shuffling is, um, to mix up. So that your opponent doesn't know which one is the Jeskai Infiltrator and which one is the uh, uh, the card that you manifested. You're allowed to, once you shuffle them and once you manifest them, you're allowed to look at them to see which one's which. Um, now, what's interesting about this is there is a caveat. If you are stealing your opponent's creature, okay, uh, so if I somehow act of treason Jess's Jeskai Infiltrator, okay, and then I attack with it, okay, so Jess is playing in red sleeves and I'm playing in black sleeves, okay, Um, I get to manifest the top card of my library, and I'm going to shuffle that red-sleeved card and that black-sleeved card together so that you can't tell which one's which, and I'm going to put them out uh, on the battlefield face down, and you say, well, well, the pile shuffle was supposed to disguise which one is which, but one's in a red sleeve, one's in a black sleeve. I clearly know which one's which. Well, that's fine, 
because a card's owner is public information at all times. So the fact that they're in different sleeves and the fact in that particular case you can tell, uh, it doesn't matter because you can always know who the owner of those cards are. So I'm always going to know, uh, or I think Jess is always going to know which one is his Jeskai Infiltrator. Now, what happens when I act of treason to this, the Infiltrator got exiled and then basically returned to the battlefield under my control as opposed to its owner's control. So it's basically that that act of treason trick with a convertible turtle, <laughs> convertible turtle, a slow turtle, um, where essentially blinking it effectively uh, uh, gives me control of it for forever. Sweet. Yep. And then if uh, the manifested card is owned by opponent and he leaves the game, uh, that manifested card is exiled. Same as if I bribery uh, uh, Jess's creature and then uh, uh, Jess gets eliminated in an EDH game, that briberied creature is goes poof. Man, Jeskai Infiltrator is way more complicated than Jesse and Infiltrator. Just saying. Uh, yes. It's, 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 a, it's an unblockable thing. Unblockable. Oh. Yeah. All right. Or, and both are more complicated than Jess Dunks Infiltrator. Yes. Yes, they definitely are. I don't know what that card does, but it's apparently less complicated than either of those two cards. Well, yeah, it's uh, oh, I want to make an Alabama joke. Uh, uh, oh, well, I think you've ruined the joke at this point. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I just, <laughs> like, like it's completely blockable because it lets everybody know where it is because it just yells roll tide everywhere it goes. But that's mm. not oh, that's man. that's not really you. All right. Yeah, oh, so, so when I lived in California, quick side note, when I lived oh, in California, man. sorry, I, I um, so I don't have cable. Uh, I'm like Netflix and stuff, but I don't actually have cable. And uh, people would always be like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. A lot of people don't have cable when I was living in California. And now here in Alabama, people are just like, how do you watch football? Yeah. And I'm just like, what? But I don't watch. What? What is this football thing? I don't I don't understand. That was my story. And I found five dollars. Uh, <laughs> OK. <laughs> so, Monastery Mentor. Do it. So Monastery Mentor. I am excited about this card. This yeah, is one of the, sure the better cards. Better cards come out of the set uh, in for standard, not so much for anything else. Um, this costs three. It's two and a white for a 2-2 two -two with prowess, which is already respectable, but uh, it has an orange set symbol, so they had to give it more than that. Um, when it says, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a 1-1 one, one white monk creature token with prowess onto the battlefield. Um, so uh, what was that red card that put a 1-1 a, a one, one onto the battlefield? Yeah, whenever you Yes, this is an old pyromancer. Um, this is young pyromancer. <laughs> this one taught the young pyromancer. Yes. Well, I mean, that's uh, why it's mentor, right? Right, right, yeah. Uh, so this is pretty awesome in that it gives a 1-1 one, one that has prowess, so whenever you cast another spell, that 1-1 one, one is going to get a bonus. But that 1-1 one, one will never get the bonus off of the spell you just cast. There's no way to, to stack it in a way that that works. Not going to happen. Basically, the one, yeah, you'll never get the 1-1 one, one that you get off the trigger will never get the prowess bonus the first turn it's out. Not that it matters. It doesn't have it. Yeah, it'll never get a prowess bonus from the spell that created it. Yeah, yeah, that's the way you say it. Yeah. All right, Pyrotechnics. I was surprised to see this one. I haven't seen this card in forever. This is a reprint. It's like yeah. from Legends. Yeah, I, wow. yeah this card used to be sweet. Um, 
I think it's still pretty sweet. So pyrotechnics, four and a red for sorcery. Pyrotechnics deals four damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or players. So this is a great opportunity to talk about how these cards that distribute damage work because uh, they don't they don't come up as often as they used to. Is this is this that card that had like a version with like an exploding hobbit on it or something? Uh, maybe. Uh. Anyway, sorry. Continue. <laughs> um. So. If you want to go way, way back and listen to our Casting a Spell episode, you can. But a quick summary is when you're casting a spell, you're going to announce, put it on the stack. Uh, you're going to choose modes, which this spell has none. And then you choose how to divide things first before you choose targets. So in this situation, you have to choose, hey, I'm going to do one, one, two, or whatever. You have to choose that. Then you choose the targets. And it kind of makes sense. You have to know how many things you're doing damage to before you can do, choose any targets to do the damage to. Um, and then you do all the normal rest of the steps for casting a spell, so you pay the mana, so on and so forth. Uh, and you also can't choose to do zero damage to something, so if there's a bunch of illusions out there, you can't try to kill them all. Uh, you have to, you know, at most you're targeting four things with this, and at the fewest you're targeting one thing. So, I want to I point out the difference between this and Boulderfall. So, this costs five mana and does four damage. Boulderfall did five, uh, cost eight and did five damage. Um, boy, what a difference not being in a set with heroic makes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because yeah. this this will, if you want to ping your own dudes, if you have a heroic deck, uh, you can you can do that and get all them heroic triggers. Nice. All right. The only thing to mention here is that you could not hit an opponent and the Planeswalker they control. And that's because the way you hit a Planeswalker uh, that they control is you deal damage to them and then redirect that. So the target there is the player, therefore, you and you can't target the Planeswalker. So you can't do damage to both the player and the Planeswalker because you're redirecting all or none of the damage. So that's that. Yes, unless the Planeswalker is also a creature. <laughs> yes, in that rare situation... Oh, that's getting less and less rare. It's not that rare. Yeah, it's becoming a lot Gideon, less rare. Gideon Jura makes that a real a real thing. Although and Gideon there are ways, prevents it. Yeah, but uh, there are ways to avoid preventing damage. Like I that's know. there's one in this set actually. We're not going to talk about it, but it's in the set. You just did talk about it. It's very meta. Uh, tell us about <laughs> this renowned weaponsmith. I've heard of him. He uh ha 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 because uh, he's renowned. Yeah. Um, he's uh, 1-3 for 1 in a blue. He's a human artificer. I haven't seen that creature type in a little while. Um, he taps to add 2 to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. And he has a second ability, which is a blue and a tap. Search your library for a card named Heart Piercer Bow or Vial of Dragonfire. Reveal it and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. So the same the same rules apply to this as the dragon card we talked about earlier, the land that that lets you cast dragon spells. Um, anything that was mentioned about that with the word dragon is now true with the word artifact for this card. Oh, okay. Um, so if you're not sure how this works with the mana ability, go back and listen to us describe that other the the, the what is it the crucible, crucible of the spirit dragon? Yeah. Um, and there's uh, this is a good time to point out some some shortcut things. If I activate this ability and say I'm gonna look through my deck and find a vial of the dragonfire, I'm wrong. Uh, and instead, I will go find a, a heart piercer bow. 
Because Vial of Dragonfire doesn't exist. What? Yeah, it's clearly an Eldrazi. Spoiler. Um, so this is not the first time. In fact, it's not even the second or third time <laughs> yeah. that uh, that a card has been mentioned on another card. It when it yet when it wasn't printed yet. Um, the most the most impressive version of that I think was uh, in with Eye of Ugin. Yeah. Uh, where Eye of Ugin. Uh, when you can use it to cast Eldrazi. Yeah, you could use it to cast Eldrazi spells, and there were no Eldrazi spells in the game at that point. What about Changelings? Uh, I yeah. don't. Where Eldrazi? It was color. It was color type yet. It was colorless Eldrazi. No, it's colorless creatures. It's colorless so could, creatures. Actually, never mind. It wasn't. It wasn't Eye of Ugin. It was. It didn't say Eldrazi on it. Um, it did, but not there. Oh, there was uh, there could, was another card that cast, listed to you could cast Eldrazi spells. You could use it for two mana to cast Eldrazi spells. Yeah, there was. Uh, you made could him search for less. colorless creatures with it. Yeah, yeah. It, the Eldrazi spells cost two less. Yeah, this this is more time oh, than I have been warrants. Did you mention that equip is an activated ability? Because that's not immediately obvious. But you're right; it is an activated ability. Equip yeah, you is use it to equip your Sword of Cauldra, Shield of Cauldra, and Helm of Cauldra. Yes, or new cards. <laughs> no, the, the, those, were cards, those were cards that referenced other cards that hadn't come out yet. I know, but that was the best answer ever. <laughs> um, oh, I want to make you have to edit. You have shifting loyalties. Sanity out. All right, shifting loyalties. Exchange control of two target permanents that share a card type. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this card is because of the reminder text. It says, artifact, creature, enchantment, land, and planeswalker are card types. It's not listing every card type. It doesn't list an instant or sorcery, and most specifically, it doesn't list, list uh, tribal. This does not mean tribal is not a card type magically. Tribal still is a card type. It's just there's no point in mentioning it because no new cards will have tribal. But because if you only one tribal card that's like ever seen play, maybe uh, two. Bitter, yeah, it's, the, it's bitter the goblin, bitter blossom, and then the bitter goblin, blossom, uh, and well, three if you count all is dust in standard, <laughs> but um, and in modern, I guess so three. All is dust, bitter blossom, and tarfire. Tarfire. So two of those are not permanents. Um, right. Anyway, uh, all the basic rules for exchanges apply here. So if either target is illegal, no exchange happens. You can't be like, I'm going to exchange my guy and your guy and then give my guy Shroud. Haha, <laughs> gotcha. It doesn't work. Um, you don't have to control either of the permanents, but I guess that's only important in multiplayer because if you do, if you try to exchange control of two permanents and somebody already controls them both, it just nothing happens. And if you gain control of, say, a creature that has an equipment attached, you do not gain control of the equipment. Um, similarly, if you gain control of an equipment and it's attached to a creature, it doesn't become unattached or anything. It stays attached and still affects that creature, even if it's your opponent's creature. But you may now equip it to your guys using that renowned weaponsmith from earlier. Cool. Uh, who wants the next weirdo? Yeah. You I'll take it. Okay, or or you could have it. It doesn't right. matter to me. Brian's got it. All right. So Soulfire Grandmaster is really good at chess. Is one, one in a white. <laughs> For a 2-2, it's a bear. Um, with lifelink. Okay, pretty good. Um, instance and sorcery spells you control have lifelink. Um, what? Okay. Really well with lightning helix. Oh yeah. my god, it's so good with lightning helix. <laughs> so it's very good. So it turns your <laughs> it turns your lightning bolts into lightning helixes, and your lightning helixes into lightning helix salves. 
Um, so turns out like while while this is confusing the the current rules actually support this so it just means that if if a source deals damage you you gain that much you gain that much life uh so if i lightning bolt you you're going to gain uh if i lightning bolt you i'm going to gain three life um the then it has uh let's see here another thing to to note is if a spell causes you to lose life that is not the same thing as causing damage so damage causes loss of life but loss of life is not damage so if a black spell says you know target player loses three life uh lifelink doesn't interact with that at all but if it says target player takes three damage that does interact with lifelink um now there's a, another ability that says the next time you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand this turn put that card into your hand instead of the graveyard as it resolves so the second ability only uh only cares when the spell would resolve so if the spell is countered then it's not going back in the hand um if the card uh uh exiles it um exiles the spell as part of resolution it's not going to be put back into the hand um if you cast a spell not from your hand via like flashback or and i'm blanking on this mechanic what was that what was that mechanic that let you cast a spell and then when it resolved you exiled it and then you could cast it again during your upkeep rebound uh, rebound. rebound thank you i kept thinking ripple and I was like, no, that's yeah. a stupid cold snap mechanic. But yeah, so rebound when you're casting it the second time. Um, uh, so first off, rebound, I believe, is a self-replacement effect. So you would apply that one first. Uh, so it would so rebounded spells would would go into exile as rebound as opposed to uh, uh, going back to your hand with soul fire. Then when it's cast from exile, it is not being cast from your hand. So uh soul fire grandmasters doesn't apply cool anything else um oh, i just want to mention with the soul the lifelink part so we kept talking about lightning bolt but the spell itself has to be dealing the damage so um you know if you fling a creature well then the spell is dealing the damage so you're going to have lifelink um i mentioned that arc bond earlier it has the creatures deal the damage to everything so in that case you know, you're not going to gain any life if Archbond has lifelink. But I also mentioned Channel Harm, which I said prevented the damage, and then Channel Harm did the damage. In that case, if that one had a lifelink, you would gain the life. You just got to make sure that the spell can't be causing the damage to happen. It has to be doing the damage. All right. All right. All so right, one, one more. One last card. And then we'll talk about Ugin for funsies. For funsies? Yeah. So... Supplant form costs four blue blue. It is an instant. It says return target creature to its owner's hand. You put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of that creature. Now, what episode was it we went over copy effects? It was real early. But it yeah. named Do You Copy. I remember that. Sure. Uh, if you're interested in anything that has to do with copying stuff, check out that episode. I'm not going to go into too much detail here. But one thing that we do want to point out about this card is... Um, it's a little weird with bouncing face down creatures and then copying them. Uh, the last time it was on the battlefield, that creature was face down. So you're going to get a 2-2 creature. 
with no name, no creature type, no color, just that you do nothing. And uh, even though the, the, the creature will be revealed, you'll just get a 2-2. Yeah, that's about it. Yay. Yay. All right. I will read Ugin. Ugin. So, Ugin isn't particularly interesting rules-wise. We just want to talk about him because he's Ugin. Ugin. Who's a, a Gugin? <laughs> the spirit dragon costs eight mana. Uh, he has a plus two. Ugin, the spirit dragon, deals three damage to target creature or player. Oh, that's ghost fire. That's clever. Uh, minus <laughs> X. <laughs> <laughs> Exile each permanent with converted mana cost X or less. That's one or more colors. And minus 10. Sorry, go ahead. You gain seven life, draw seven cards, and put up to seven permanent cards from your hand onto the battlefield. Once again, you're not getting those instants onto the battlefield. Speaking of Ghostfire, I really hope we get that that mechanic in Dragons of Tuck here. Like, I want colorless colored spells. I feel like it's coming. I, I do. You heard it here first. CJ said it on Judge Cat. <laughs> well, you yeah. said it first, but so, okay. So, so you don't like it, CJ, but I think it's actually kind of interesting that they made his ultimate the anti the anti bolus ultimate. Yeah, I think that's ridiculous. You 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 ridiculous he, cool or ridiculous lame lame. He's his own person. He's his own thing. He doesn't. You know, why would it have to be tied to both? Let me ask this. Sense. If this was just a regular old game, wouldn't it be like a Sherlock Holmes planeswalker and a Moriarty planeswalker? Wouldn't they wouldn't it be cool if they had like an ability where where Moriarty did the opposite of Holmes? But because, Moriarty. Yeah, but you could argue that you could argue that neither of those characters would exist in their form without the other. Yeah. Moriarty as a character is he's meant to be Holmes. Ugin, as a character, had nothing to do with Nicole Wallace except for they fought. We don't know that. He's not like he's not it's like gonna be, another it's Elder reveal. Dragon legend. It's gonna it's gonna be a reveal. We're gonna find out. We're gonna find out that like Nicol Bolas is Bizarro Ugin. I I mean that's the only way in which I'm okay with this. To translate, <laughs> we're going to see Retcon. Uh no, I th- no, I think you can do it with current story. You could say Ugin is the ghost of Nicol Bolas. I think you can pull that off, but that actually makes it, more sense with the time travel aspect as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's I th- I think it would be cool if they pulled like a dark crystal where it's like where where Nicol Bolas is the Skeksis and Ugin is the uh, the the mystics and something's going to happen and they're going to merge together and they're just going to become like a a, a, a not evil. Or and not necessarily completely evil, not necessarily completely good, dude. That'd be look at, cool. look at you guys dragging me into a Borthosy conversation. <laughs> I have to go shuffle my modern deck to cleanse myself. Yeah, like, now, now, you, now, how do you feel about Ugin having feathers? Well, yeah. No, do other dragons on Tarkir have feathers? Isn't he from Tarkir? Like, it doesn't make sense. It does, not, it does make not make sense. sense. You must acquit. Why would a Wookiee have feathers? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, Ugin. I don't know. I don't know this, why they. Is this made the episode it. with the most random references to to like television? And it might and, be, but the sad part is it might not be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he looks like this. I don't know why he's anti bolus. It it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. <laughs> so something I heard on uh, Monday Night Magic that that amused me was they said like 
it might have been the mana pool or Monday Night Magic. It was it was whenever you are making a decision, like Nicol Bolas appears on one shoulder and tells you to do the bad thing, and then Ugin's appears on the other shoulder and tells you to do the good thing, and they just kind of argue back and forth. Which, mm. which but only one thousand two hundred eighty years ago. Yeah, well, I mean that that kind of explains why I've been making so many bad choices lately. Is <laughs> Ugin isn't maybe maybe when Ugin I mean, comes back, honestly, I'll, I'll that's ex- on some good choices. That's exactly what Sarkin was going through. It was honestly exactly that. Like Nicole Bolas is telling him to do one thing, Ugin is whispering in his head, telling him to do another thing, and it kind of drove him insane. Kind of like their opposites. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, yeah. You see what I did there? This, this... Except they're not. <laughs> All right, well, it's like we'll if, have... if Mishra, like all of Mishra's abilities were like destroying artifacts, and it's like that doesn't make sense. Why would he be that way? Because you're Urza's enemy, therefore you should do the opposite. Well, no, Ugin not... had his own life before and, Nicol and Bolas just, existed. He's just got an ultimate that's a, that's a mirror image. He does ghost why? fire. He does stuff with colorless stuff. So why? So what is colorless about his ultimate? It makes no sense. He's ghosty. It, no, there's it, nothing colorless about his ultimate. It's the anti Bolas. He's he's a uh... He's uh why uh, is he the anti bolus? He existed before or not before Bolus. Bolus existed you don't first. No, you know, you're just Bolus. You're just taking what you want to be the true man. It is and, true. And, and applying it to whatever, man. Alright, so the only way I'm happy is in Dragons of Tarkir, he is he is Nicol Bolus's ghost. That's the only way I'm happy. So we'll you don't see. Know that. Maybe they'll come up with something you hadn't thought of yet. No, there's no other reason. It's like how do I put this in Bones references? <laughs> you all would understand. All right. So anyway, we don't have any news. There's no news. Uh, we're skipping emails, of course, because we always do on these longer episodes. But if you out there want to email us, uh, in particular, you want to email some, maybe maybe there's something you wanted us to talk about and we missed it on this episode, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. Uh, I think our Tumblr actually is posting episodes now. I don't know. It's all automated. It, I haven't checked. I haven't even checked. <laughs> it did. But it is there if you wanted, if you really want to follow our episodes postings on Tumblr. So do you guys have any non-Ugin related things you want to talk about? Also, why is Sarkin called Sarkin? Like, it doesn't make... Why would you name anyone Sarkin? Because Khan has special meaning on Tarkir. It doesn't make sense. Maybe it's not his... Maybe it's not his, uh, his birth name. Yeah, I mean, that's the only guess I have, but I don't think it's true. I mean, that's not I'm not sure that necessarily means anything like, for example, you know, the word tin is a meaning in English, but there's still people named Justin. It's not like tin is part of that name. Sarkin means means con, yeah. cons. Didn't you it read? Does it? Yes. The, uh, yeah, there was a, a flavor flavor article today. Sarkhan is con of cons or sky. Oh, yeah. so the reason I missed that is because it started with the word flavor. Uh, <laughs> okay. 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 All right. Interesting. Well, interesting. The, the, well, here's the, here's the thing then. Don't be getting into them arguments where you're just like, Oh, <laughs> it's like you're getting into a flavor argument about stuff. I mean, Man. yeah, like, I don't, I don't follow, I don't follow the flavor stuff. You know what I care about? I care about what the cards do. I care about whether or not they have, they have value in playability or actual monetary value and that's about it i care what ugin's ultimate does clearly and i care i care <laughs> that, that ugin looks like a chicken dragon angel ghost he does why does he look like that when uh, honestly this art was spoiled like way well before fate reforge and i was like this is obviously fake somebody just made nickel bolus blue 
Well, like, not this not this one. There was the other one. This there is was... the art I saw. I saw this oh, art. Oh, really? And I was like, this is not... That couldn't be Ugin. Someone yeah, just put like, angel I... wings on Nicol Bolas. No, because his horns are further apart and there's no little floaty thing. Yeah, but I thought it was fake. I... There's no I saw so. I saw this art. Well, I saw the same thing he did, and I was like, "There's no way this is magic art." Um, not no, there's no way this is Ugin, but like I was like, "This is like way too stylized," and the like, yeah, you know, Star Wars Clone Wars kind of thing, and and yeah. I was like, "Yeah, this is not." And, and the fake card this came out on was fake. Like it, it wasn't this yeah, card. It was. Um, anyway, all right. I think that's enough. <laughs> I think that's good enough. Okay. Any any final thoughts? Nothing about Ugin. No more Ugin. No. Okay. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope, once again, that this episode helped you during your pre-release or during your stupid EDH discussions that are going to come up. They're not stupid. <laughs> My name is Cedar Trader. I keep it fair. I'm just done because I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman, and I got to get these particulates back to Hodgins at the Jeffersonian. <laughs>